this is a podcast, Life on Leash. Um, I'm Charlotte. There you go. I'm Liz. And with us is Joanna. She can say her own name if she wants. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about setbacks and goals. And this is really great because, as we said, this has been seven months in the making. Yep. Planned for January. And it is July. At least it's a still a month that starts with J, right? There you go. Um, so I guess we wanted to talk about how to set goals in a good way. How to deal with setbacks and how to avoid letting setbacks control your life. Um, do you want to add to any of that before we get started? Um, no. Cool. <laughs> Alright, so when we're thinking about goals and setting goals and kind of dealing with setbacks, which inevitably happen because of COVID and other things and life in general. Um, wine. And wine. A lot of wine. Wine definitely causes setbacks. Um, we need to remember why we started, even if there's wine involved. So, why did we start? <laughs> okay. So, I know we wanted to start this as kind of a podcast that was accessible to trainers, but also to dog owners, since a lot of the podcasts we listen to have a lot of jargon and go pretty in-depth. And serious talking. And a lot of serious talking. Um but a lot of the more alcohol-based dog podcasts are pretty light in nature. So we wanted to talk about things that both trainers um, would find relatable for themselves, would find relatable point. for their clients. Yeah, but pet owners would find re- uh, relatable too. Um, so I know the first thing that we wanted to talk about was just kind of what what a good goal looks like. Yeah. Smart goal setting. Smart goal setting. If you will. Yes. Um, so, and I think that was my bit, right? Yes. <laughs> right. Um, so this was my entire life, um, up until recently, cause I worked in a corporate setting. So we did a lot of smart goal setting. So if anyone not familiar with smart, smart, it's the opposite of stupid, it's the opposite of stupid. Um, it can also be used as a prefix to, is this getting an explicit rating? I think we will have Smart to. ass. <laughs> That's um, what um, Suzanne called me. A smart ass? Suzanne I mean, Clothier. she's not wrong. She called me a smart she ass. She doesn't mince words, and she's not wrong. Uh, In a seminar, too. So. <laughs> she stopped her talking to call me a smart ass. Anyways, go That's ahead. That's right, because I missed that. Yeah. I was teaching. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Um, what is smart? What is SMART? So, a SMART goal is a goal that is specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-sensitive. So, it means setting goals that can be quantified, um, so you're aware of when you achieve them, and so they can be split into actionable pieces, so you're not left with this nebulous, uncertain, unclear goal. Um, so like I how think, I set goals. Right, like how you set goals. <laughs> um, which I think we're really familiar with as trainers in setting them for our dogs, but not necessarily using the same approach when we're setting it for ourselves. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I think having realistic expectations of our dogs 
is helpful, but I think it's also helpful to have realistic expectations of ourselves and our clients. Mm -hmm. Um, And realistic, I think, goes along with something that you can measure, something you can actually, like, grasp and not, like, a weird fog in your brain. It it gets rid of the ambiguity. So you can say, you know, you can say, I want my dog to be better. Be better. I want my dog to be less reactive. I mean, even that sounds better than just better. Yeah. But it doesn't mean anything. And I can't just say I don't want my dog to be reactive by next week. Mm -hmm. We need to have understanding of that. But even if we have smart goals, setbacks are going to happen. So should we talk about how to set goals or do you want to talk about uh, setbacks (laughs) first? I guess we should talk about common mistakes, right? Are we going to edit this? Maybe. I hope so. Maybe. Um, so we haven't started coughing a lot, which is good. It is really good. It's better, especially with COVID, like, you know, coughing a lot would be terrible. Um, so we're talking about like making smart goals, but there are common mistakes that people make. And one of them is unrealistic goals. Mm -hmm. Having my dog be non-reactive by next week would be a good example of that. Um, having every session I teach with a client be perfect and smooth is also unrealistic. Um, so having, having those smart list goal ideas in your head can be helpful, but then also you need to focus on multiple goals at once, um, or multiple areas of a goal. So not just obsessing over one thing like healing, um, for the rest of your life. I don't do that. We don't know anyone who does that. Um, I have actually been told that I should do something else with my training sometime. It's not incorrect. But anyways, so you want to make sure you're focusing on multiple things so that you don't just burn out on the one thing that you're doing um, and obsess. But then there's the reverse of that and making sure you're not overwhelming yourself Mm -hmm. with too many things. So Um, that's where I fall apart. Yeah. Like... You want to have a nice variety, but you don't want to have so much variety that you're drowning in it. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of, I mean, I I think when we initially started this, we talked a lot about, um, in initial conversations about why New Year's resolutions fail, um, because Mm -hmm. that's when we were supposed to be recording this. Um, yes, this was a New Year's as it turns out, New Year's resolutions fail. Um, no, really (laughs) tell me more. But I think that's part of why is I think people tend to cast a very, very wide net when mm-hmm. they start in at New Year's, um, which I definitely fall victim to. Anytime I'm like making any sort of goal plan, I automatically, I feel like I need to pull in not just um, whatever it is I'm looking at, whether it's the kids or whether it's dog training or whether it's diet and exercise, but no, I need to in fact pull in all of that plus, you know, my social calendar and making sure the kids are getting enough outdoor time. And then suddenly it becomes this giant project. And Um, especially with like new year's resolutions, everything has to be perfect by February. Right. And then you can't ever fail. Right. And if you fail once, then you stop everything. Mm -hmm. You spiral. Yeah. You spiral and you fail. Um, it is on our list. Isn't that fun? (laughs) Um, so I think, Part of that, you know, you get excited, you start making a plan, you maybe list off everything that you want to fix, and everything needs to be fixed by 
certain date. Mm -hmm. And because you're excited, because you're motivated in the moment, you kind of underestimate the amount of time and work that it takes. And so when it hits you, like when the reality hits you of how much time is actually going to be involved, it becomes very overwhelming and also Mm -hmm. kind of defeating. Like it it feels like, oh, I'm not going to meet my goal by the time that I designated, so I must be a failure. Mm -hmm. Even though you can logically say that like your goal was unrealistic. Was, your time, yeah, was your time frame was unrealistic. Like me wanting to get my BH by October. Um, but anyways. It's um, entirely it's realistic. realistic. It's mostly. Um, but anyways, so like making sure that you have a realistic time frame and giving yourself slack. I think one of the dogs is farting. And I'm pretty sure it's Otto. And he's the one with his butt right next to you. Yeah. Um... To get clients to sign off on us referencing their dogs in podcasts. I didn't. Maybe we'll edit that one. <laughs> um, just censor button on the name. Yeah, we'll just do a beep. <laughs> um, beep. Yeah. So, so when these setbacks happen, though, like when when things become overwhelming, when you realize you you bit off more than you could chew when things aren't going in the timeline that you expected or if you get overwhelmed um that's generally where people quit because when one speed bump happens it's just like the thing Mm -hmm. that breaks everything and you're like well guess I'm a failure I'm gonna stop yeah um and so when you want to get back to it like if you want to avoid just quitting altogether my favorite thing from Shia LaBeouf's um Hold on. He does a he does like that motivational video. Yes. Just do it. One of the lines he says is if you're afraid, uh if you are tired of starting over, stop quitting in the first place. It's it's magical words. So so if you if you feel like you've had a setback mm-hmm. and you want to get back you have to remember why you started. What are the motivating factors to why you set these goals in the first place? Was it to have a better dog? Was it to have something to do on the weekend? Whatever it was, you have to kind of list off and remind yourself why you started in the first place. And to be honest, at that point, I feel like you could also decide how worth it is to like, yeah. you know. I mean, there's some goals that you set that aren't. You know, priority shift. I think one of the things that you were mentioning when we were starting this up again is, you know, maybe it's kind of good that we didn't get this particular episode, this particular topic out in January because it would have felt very defeating come March. You mean people shouldn't feel bad about setting goals and then having COVID ruin their entire lives? Yeah. Ruin everything? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know... uh, a lot of our goals, and maybe not our dog-specific goals, um, some of them maybe, you know, maybe not our dog-specific goals, but a lot of goals that people were setting, goals that I was setting in January, just aren't relevant yeah. anymore. Yeah. Much less, you know, much less something I'm going to hold myself to achieving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our entire worlds have shifted, so recalibrating and building in time to recalibrate, you know, whether you're off track or not, I think recalibrating should always include a 
adjustment to whether or not your goal is relevant to your interests anymore. Yeah. And if it's been a while since you have chased this goal, um, I think it's also important to kind of meet yourself where you are. Mm -hmm. So if you had been working really hard after a goal, and I'm going to just use my goal because, yeah. Um, So, like, I want to trial my dog, Mm -hmm. and I'm working on healing every single day. And if I were to quit because it's terrible and time-consuming and very making me crazy. (laughs) Very making me crazy. Um, If I were to stop for, like, a month, I can't expect to just pick up where I left off. Um, And I think that is frustrating because that's where the frustration of starting over happens, where people are, like, kind of frustrated because you were... were far along and then you quit because of whatever I mean setback that happened and now you have to kind of start backwards a little bit Mm -hmm. but I think you have to expect that you have to realize that just because you were further along doesn't mean you're gonna just pick up right where you left off um and that's not always a bad thing either you know there was a reason you burnt out in the first place yeah so recalibrating makes a lot of sense yeah and I think that too I mean just reestablishing goals helps keep you on track. I mean, that's been my experience and something that I've complained to you a lot about of through COVID really crystallizing how much mouse does not want to do things at all. Um, So, you know, where I think initially, like we talked about, you know, having goals with her for accomplishing, you know, having her get better at nose work, and I don't remember how exactly the goal was phrased, but it was smarter than that, um, but, like, in, you know, when, when COVID started, it was, like, cool, I can finally record her doing tricks, and the virtual rally options came out. You can use her as a demo. I can use her as a demo dog, which is something that, you know, her being dog reactive, I've never been able to do. Um, those goals have shifted, because we fell off of practice and I did start feeling bad and then in reviewing them they're really not important if they happen then great I mean the demo dog thing has to happen so she's got to suck that up but like (laughs) she doesn't want to um so my goals have shifted more towards getting our household able to have a puppy in it that will want to work with me and will want to do things um, because Mouse is nine, and I'm not interested in making her do things. <laughs> They're all just like moving closer to them. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not interested in making her do things that she doesn't find fulfilling. Yeah. Just because it's a goal that I set arbitrarily um, months ago. Yeah. So. I think that's a pretty valid example. Um, Things I thought so. Yeah, that's pretty. I, I why I included it. Thought it was really smart. <laughs> um, but I think like uh, something that can help you deal with these setbacks is when you're planning your goals, expect that there's going to be a pitfall. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't think it, like, I don't think it's gonna make disappointment any less disappointing 
Um, but at least you have planned for it, and you know that it was was is possibility. Um, but I think appreciating failure is also helpful too. So, like, I know a pitfall is going to happen. I could be depressed about it. Mm-hmm. I could be really upset. You could be really upset that Liz, or Mouse isn't <laughs> the dog that you, you know, wanted her to be in this time. Or I could be upset that my dog isn't the dog I want to be. I have a lot of practice accepting the mouse isn't the dog that I wanted her to be. Yes. Um, but I think there is something really valuable in appreciating the things that don't go exactly to plan. Mm-hmm. It allows you to make new plans, which you love planning, and we've established. Um, and it also helps you kind of get, like, a learning experience going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say well, that, that in a better you, way. Well, that, you know, in, in terms of mouse, hopefully now this plan of how to make the house function better, how to prepare the house for a puppy coming in, gives me the opportunity to meet my goals of having a dog that is happy to train with me and meets my goals for mouse, which is really about her having a fulfilled and happy senior life. Um, We're not going to talk about how old she is Um, because then I'll be upset. But, you know, I I want her to be happy and fulfilled and enjoy her time and that was very clearly not happening when I was trying to do a lot with her. She was not engaged or happy and she's been a lot happier lately. Yeah. So being willing to like have some flexibility I think is is mm-hmm. a good takeaway there cuz like if you if you were to be really rigid in what your expectations and your goals were then no one would be happy right now. Well, and it's coming back to that recalibration of what are you really trying to achieve? Why did um, you start? Right. Why did you start? And why I started isn't about rally or nose work or any action in particular. It's about having a good relationship with my dog, having my dog have enriching things to do, skills that we can use. But if we're not achieving that, then the goals have to, the individual goals, the actionable goals have to shift. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, when you're adjusting like that, it can be helpful to maybe write down your new goals and your your new feelings about this. So, recommitting and kind of recalibrating in writing, um, writing down the reasons why you're starting, reminding yourself so you can look back on that if you're mm-hmm. having. Um, you know, one of those moments of setback, um, so that you can go back and be like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this. And this is what I'm, I remember why I started this. Um, so writing down things and documenting can be helpful as well. Mm -hmm. So not just, you know, I think a lot of people talk about like documenting as in documenting progress, which is really, really helpful. But I think writing down your thoughts and your plans and your goals your purpose is also really helpful because that I think that's a really good reminder to prevent quitting, but also to kind of motivate you to come back once you've quit mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you've, if you've stopped. Um, but I do think that, just since I just brought it up, um, documenting is a really great way to prevent setbacks. If, if your only setback is lack of motivation or 
um, feeling like there's a lack of progress. So if it's not like outside, extrinsic. Yes. That's a word. That is a um, word. It's not quite pronounced like that, but it is a word. Extrinsic. I said that. She went, she went there. She got there. I said eventually. that. It took her a minute. So anyways, um, <laughs> environmental things there you go. aren't uh, causing you to quit. Maybe it's like your head, your brain, like me. Um, where, you know, I feel like for me, I get to a point where I'm working really hard every day and then I just feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Mm. And that's why I usually quit is because I feel like I put a lot of time, a lot of commitment, and then I just feel like we're not where I should be. And I think that does go, it kind of goes hand in hand with the making realistic, um, you know, have a realistic understanding of the time it takes to do stuff. Mm -hmm. But then documenting is such a good way to kind of avoid that um, feeling of lack of progress because, and this is why people who do and content warning, I guess, um, for exercise and weight loss, um, people who do like weight loss journeys, you know, they get to a certain point and they feel like they haven't um, made any progress. And that's why people say to take progress pictures. Mm -hmm. The same is true for dog training. I think either writing it down and saying how the dog did or recording sessions, um, is super helpful because five months down the road, when you feel like your dog is the same exact, um, at the same exact place they started looking back on videos will make you realize that you've at least made some progress Yeah. or, at the very least, if you feel like you still haven't made progress, you can see what you're doing the same. That needs to change. Yeah. <laughs> He's funny. He's funny. Um, yeah, and I think in both cases, visual documentation really makes a big difference. Yes. Because, you know, your notes can... Your notes reflect your thought process. Yeah. So, you know, just like... You know, your weight reflects only a portion of what a weight loss journey looks like if you're working out and you're gaining strength and, you know, your weight might not change. The exactly. way that you document, you know, what you were doing might not change very much, but you'll see the difference in pictures. You'll Absolutely. see the difference in video. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, everyone tells you to video sessions and I don't think a lot of people do it because... It can be kind of... So miserable. Annoying, yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty annoying, like, especially it, it's really punishing if you've done a whole session and you find out that you were just right of the screen, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. or that you got a call halfway through and so it stopped recording, or... Ran out of data, ran out of space. Or it died. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things can make it punishing, um, and I think a lot of people don't want to do it. And then the other thing I think that becomes difficult is a lot of people rightfully don't want to post their progress. Um, and so they don't really have anywhere to put it. They, there doesn't feel like a purpose to it. Oh, so I think it's really important that as a trainer, people get in the habit of documenting for themselves not for the purpose of posting or sharing. Um, you know, Google Drive is a great place for that. Um, storing different videos and stuff like that that you can put in an album and look back on. Because if you don't 
have the opportunity to look back on what you looked like five months ago, you can absolutely fall into the pit of no progress feeling like I do. So feeling like you're not progressing can be really super depressing, but I feel like also setting negative goals yes, can be kind of depressing. So for me, um, I would like Bayo to not forge and mm -hmm. heal. I would like him to not suck at a trial <laughs> and not scream all the time. Yeah. He's a German Isn't shepherd. It's crazy how we know all this as dog trainers and yet... We set the same things for ourselves. And, you know, like, so me as a, an instructor, when I'm talking to my clients in, like, beginner classes, I'm like, let's not phrase things in terms of, I want my dog to not, not jump. Not jump, not bark. Not, not pull. Not pull, not counter surf. Yeah. What do you want them to do instead? So, when we're setting our own goals, it would make sense to think in the same way, but we don't. We don't. I just want my dog to not forge and heal. Okay. I just want my dog not to want to fight everyone. Why'd you get a pit bull? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it was all in how you raised them, Charlotte. Yeah. That'll be a separate episode. <laughs> um, but, like, having your goal be framed in a negative way have, will set you up for a negative mindset the whole time you're striving for that goal. You're focused on what you don't want, what you're, you want to eliminate, rather than what you want to do different. We don't want our goals to be negative in nature. Because <laughs> I, I think it's hard anyway. Like, I feel like it's easy to get discouraged by lack of progress or mm -hmm. the time it takes. It's already easy enough to get discouraged if your mindset isn't, I want this to stop. I want it to be not that. Well, and it goes back to the SMART goals. Like, just like we tell, you know, you said, we tell clients in beginner classes, don't, you need to define what you want to see. Yes. That's setting a SMART goal. Yes. It's not actionable to say, I don't want a dog to do X, because it doesn't give you information on what you're working just for. Because, like, just like we can't teach a non-behavior, I can't set a non-goal. Right. Yeah. So when you're thinking of like setting goals and stuff, you need to think about what you want to see rather than what you don't want to see. And so what does that look like, Charlotte? Go ahead and translate so, translate your Bayo goals. Okay. So I was just saying how I don't want my dog to forge and heal. So instead of saying... And do you want to define forge for... Okay. So forging and heal position is when a dog is too far forward. In heel, you want your dog to be kind of in line with your heel. That's kind of why it's called that. And German Shepherds like to be 50 feet in front of you when you're healing. And so, if I wanted to set a goal for October, since I'd like to trial him um, one day, I could phrase it like I would like him to stop forging and stop vocalizing. However... That makes me focus on the negatives. That's discouraging. That makes bad thoughts happen. And so instead, I could reframe it. I want my dog to target my side under my armpit. I hate the word armpit. In line, it's not a good word. I want my dog to target my left side and stand in line with my pant seam. That's a better word. You can also say shoulder. Shoulder. Shoulder's going to be... Shoulder! 
God, look at it's look at you. Just above. Yeah, I used to do this professionally. Mm. Okay. So instead of saying forging, I could say I want my dog to target my left side in line with my shoulder or my hip. Mm -hmm. Instead of instead of not vocalizing, I want my dog to be quiet. Does that work? <laughs> um, does that give you enough information? Yeah, I mean I think that gives you enough information based on kind of what your what your approach is. I think you need to be ready to reevaluate your approach if just because I know months ago and I haven't seen you I haven't seen what your current approach to his vocalization is but previously it was as soon as he started getting sassy he got put up so I think that matches with a goal of him being quiet but if that's not sufficient it's definitely reactionary then, though yeah then it's okay what's what's beyond that yeah. What do you want instead? What's causing him to vocalize? Okay, so building up his frustration tolerance and the duration between rewards. Mm -hmm. That's you're so smart. Look at you. I make smart goals. I you do. Um so yeah, that's a great way to rephrase it because even mm -hmm. quiet, I feel like your mindset is not barking. Right. And quiet is just the symptom. Meaning, the barking's just a symptom of what's going on. So, instead of focusing on him barking, I need to say, I need to work on building frustration tolerance and building duration between rewards. Um, maybe even building up a better start line routine. Mm -hmm. So, those are all very tangible goals. Yeah. They're all positive goals as well. And that's what you want. You want things that you have a clear course of action on because I think people can get into that. And, and I think the example of being quiet is perfect because people can get into that mindset of, you know, okay, I don't say I don't want my dog to pull on leash. Okay, I want my dog to walk nicely on leash. Okay, mm -hmm. well, one, what does that mean? Yep. Um, but two, that doesn't tell you what you need. Yeah. If it's, I want my dog to be engaged with me. Yeah. I want my dog to, you know, auto check in. I want my dog, like all of those give you things to more do. More connected. Yeah, more connected. All of those give you things to do in order to achieve that goal where yeah. walk nicely gives you not a whole lot. Yeah. Don't pull gives you almost nothing. Also, I think when you're thinking in terms of, I want my dog to be quiet. I want my dog to walk nicely. I want him to whatever. Um, we need to be aware of progress versus perfection. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're talking about, I want my dog to walk nice on a leash, um, that's kind of like the ideal. Like all the time? Yeah. Like how often? What and does that look like? Because I think that's what it comes down to is, yeah, you can say quiet or you can say walk nice, but when you push forward in that, how do you define that? You're defining it in the negative. Yes. What does walk nice mean? It means not pulling. Yes. What does being quiet mean? It means not barking. Yes. And getting to a behavior that isn't defined in the negative yeah. is what's going to get you progress and also give you measurables for that progress rather than just looking for you know the perfect dog, which doesn't... Exist. If you're chasing perfection, you will be disappointed. I think that's where measurable, yeah, checkpoints, measurable milestones comes in. Because you can have your objective being, you know, that you want to um, increase frustration tolerance and, you know, create more duration in between reinforcement. But 
you know, you can say, okay, I want to have that accomplished by October. Cool. You're going to want to have, okay, I can do this much on an average session by the end of August. I can do this much in an average session by the end of September. Um, You know, even by mid-September, you probably want to end up with, like, weekly goals and have that continue to increase to be in a place that you feel comfortable with by October but consistently adjusting that so you're responding to not just where you planned now at the end of July, but so you're responding to, okay, it's August 15th, this is where we are. This is what it makes sense to shoot for by the end of August. So, because I like to throw a wrench in your wonderful planning here, Yeah. the great and terrible thing about dog training is as smart as our goals can be, they don't just rely on us. It's true. So I could have these weekly, monthly, yearly set goals, have this plan to increase duration by a certain time, have really just well thought out, tangible goals, and they still might not be mm-hmm. set or met. They're set, but they're not met. <laughs> Because you can't plan out what the other side of the leash is going to do. Yeah. And I think that's a part where this becomes particularly challenging. I mean, with any team endeavor, but particularly with a dog who is ultimately going to do what a dog's going to do. Um, and we don't always have the explanation or communication at the ready for understanding why they choose to do what they do. So They didn't read our plans. They didn't read our plans. They don't know our goals. They don't know as, why as we're making our goals. smart as they are. Um, you know, and you can sit down and you can explain it to them all you want, but they're not, they're going to work on their own schedule. So, and I think that's where um, revisiting goals and setting checkpoints and setting milestones for yourself um, that we touched on a little earlier, I think that's where that becomes incredibly helpful as well because you can continually adjust and be flexible with your goal setting based on what information you're getting back from the dog because that's really the only way that you're going to be able to measure what the dog can handle, where the dog is at, and what the dog's opinions of your goals are is by documenting and measuring how quickly you can progress with them over time and revisiting and resetting what those goals look like. So just being flexible. It's like the name of the game. Mm -hmm. Letting, allowing for pitfalls, allowing for adjustments. And when you set your goals, just keep it in mind that shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for planning, and I, I think goal setting and documenting and, and people get very into the planning aspect of it, but being present in the moment yeah, and adapting to what information you're getting from the dog, yeah. training the dog in front of you, yes, is equally, if not incredibly more important, um, because that's what's actually going to get you to move forward, because if you're so stuck on this as the plan... Yeah. Um, then you miss what your dog is telling you in the moment. When we're setting goals and we're making actionable goals like I want my dog to check in more on walks. 
Um, we're not just thinking of what we want, but I, in general, I think when we set these goals, we also have an idea of how we want to get there. And I think being rigid in your plan can also set you up for failure mm -hmm. because like you're saying, what if my dog is not responding well to the plan I have? I have to be willing to change the plan, not necessarily the goal. Um, so not just being flexible on your goals, but flexible on your path mm -hmm. to those goals can be helpful. Um, you know, realizing if you've tried it over and over and over and over and over again, if it's not working, that you need to do something different. Yeah. Well, I think the only other thing I'd add, add to that is, you know, not just, not just being flexible in how you're accomplishing the goal, but expecting an unexpected response yes. and being able to respond to that. Yeah. Um, because that's what I think about every time we end up talking about training the dog in front of you and react, you know, being in the present moment is that time I was at the park and my dog who is not a bird dog, does not care about birds, decided that that day she really cared about the seagulls that were sitting on the lake. And my goal with her is always to limit reactions. So my inability to adjust to the fact that my dog was having a reaction to these birds inhibited my ability to help her through that. Yeah. Because I stood dumbstruck for a solid 10 seconds going, but my dog doesn't care about birds. When the evidence in front of me suggested that in that moment, my dog really cared about birds. Yes. So... I think that that also, that rigidity also informs how successful you can be and how quickly you need to adjust your goals um, and adjust your action plan to go with what your dog is telling you in the moment, um, even if it's not reflective of what you know of them. Yeah. Who, Mouse, by the way, has not cared about birds since that day either. Just one day. Just one day. Just like just one just week. Just like one she week was... she was dog neutral. Just one day <laughs> she was a... Uh... So, just bird so we're talking about how like dogs can be unpredictable and we need to understand that our goals might shift, our plans might shift, but as dog trainers, we have two other beings to think about when we're making plans. Um, when we're making... Equally un unpredictable. Yes. Um, when we're making plans that involve not just another dog but another person, maybe even another family. Um, our plans that we have set out for our client have to be flexible. Mm -hmm. We have to be willing to shift. And it can't just be in regards to what our own goals are mm -hmm. or how we would approach something if it was our dog. Um, so I think thinking about these in terms of like, you know, remembering why we started, all these things, like what's our driving force? Those might not matter if we're doing the work for a client, for another family. They have different reasons and motivators for why they're doing what they're doing. And they have different motivators for why they hired a, a trainer in the first place. They might not care about their relationship with their dog the way that you do. Mm -hmm. They just want the dog to be better. And they have yeah. a lot of negative goals. Yeah. Please stop pulling. Stop jumping. Stop biting people. 
Who would want that? Right? <laughs> Can't imagine. So I think when you're working with other people and other people's dogs, you have to be willing to meet them halfway, meet them where they are, mm-hmm. um, and adjust your own expectations and how you might how you might want to see something play out if the client's goals and motivators are different from yours. Yeah. And ability set. Yeah. Skill set. Yeah, I think there's always, you know, you have, depending on the degree of obsessive planning um, that you go into a training session with, uh, which differs from person to person, um, not that I obsessively plan about anything, but I think there's always a unspoken second level of planning. Um and that's your goals for the humans in the equation. Um, yeah. So I I tend to be a planner. So before I go, you know, after a, an initial consult, when we talk about the client's goals. Um, and it's funny because I do, I always feel somewhat silly asking, you know, after we talk about the problems that they're having. And after we talk about, you know, what they're looking, you know, what they're, what's going on with their dog. What is their dog's regular day like? One of my questions is always, what's your training goals with your dog? And I think for some people, I'm sure they think it's a silly question. It always sounds like a silly question at the point that I ask it, but I'm always so glad I asked it. Yeah. Because it doesn't always match up with, okay, well, if this was my problem and if this was my dog, this is what I would want. Yeah. Um, and it's not always what they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that helps, but there's always kind of a secondary, you know, I send them what my initial training plan would be. And I go, this is subject to change. And I really stress that it's subject to, you know, what the dog can do, what we see, you know, what we see as we progress, but there's always the unsaid portion of, it also depends on what you can do and what, what you find you sustainable, what you want to do, what you're willing to buy into. Um, because for some people, they're not going to... They're not going to either be able or be willing to implement what we suggest. And part of our job is planning for that and adjusting to that. Yeah. Um, giving, th- giving them things that they can handle that will allow them to succeed and have the dog that they want to have. That are also not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Because just like we can get overwhelmed, our clients can get overwhelmed. And so we need to make sure that we are not just giving them every single option in the world that they have. Right. That we're only introducing small things (laughs) at a time so that they're not getting overwhelmed. They don't feel like this is an insurmountable goal that they have. Mm -hmm. um, And that we're giving them, you know, the ability to choose but not giving them that analysis paralysis with like that too much choice um, to the point where they just freeze. And I think that line is, it's about finding that line for each individual client too. Because some people want a lot because they want to feel like they're getting their money's worth. And then there are others who really can only handle so much either because they're you know, they're dealing with their first dog or they're dealing with a lot of other stuff 
you know, are in their lives um, that needs to be taken into account. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are clients who are, you know, you show up and they're down to business and it's, okay, what are we doing? We're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing that. And you go, okay, well, it's been 30 minutes. It's what I had planned for the hour. What else do you want to work on? And then you have the clients who have a lot of questions and process and, you know, what should I get for this? And you end up talking and advising them through a lot of the session and only work on, you know, maybe one of the three behaviors that you intended to go through. So then adjusting to what they're looking for, not only from the dog, but what they're looking for from you. Yeah. And I think, um, not only being realistic with yourself, but when you're setting goals for clients, being very realistic with time when you're setting these goals so that you're not giving them an unrealistic sense of when you can um, meet these goals for them, mm-hmm. when you can get behavior by. Yeah. Um, so giving yourself some wiggle room so that you're not setting yourself up for failure, but you're not also not setting them up for failure. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well... Anything you want to add before we wrap this up? No, I'm good. Okay. Do we have a cute tagline at the end? Um, thanks for <laughs> listening. Please listen again. <laughs> Please listen to us. We're here all week. <laughs> we'll be back someday. <laughs> <laughs>